Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Wide Man Can't Jump is brought to you by our good friends at Offensive Crayons. It's offensivecrayons.com. Aren't you tired of using the same colors day in and day out with blue, brown, burnt sienna, tickle me Elmo pink, all that shit that you don't want to pull out, even in front of your kids because you're too embarrassed? Offensive crayons will liven things up. You don't have goldenrod or red. Now you've got travel band brown, miscarriage maroon, and privilege, which is the color white. They've also just launched a new political edition. It's called the Red, White, and Fuck You Pack. Colors include government green shutdown, Twitter lawyer blue, fake news fuchsia, virtue signaling violet, and baby cage crimson. Make sure you check those out. Some other packs include presidential, which is the color orange, boner peel blue, statutory grape, and your parents' divorce was your fault, Peach. They've been banned from Amazon for offending children and Caucasians. That was actually in writing from their legal team. But damn it, we love the good people at OffensiveCrayons.com, and they like us so much that if you use promo code WIDEMEN right now at their website, OffensiveCrayons.com, you can save 15% on your order. Don't color like a pussy. Head over to OffensiveCrayons.com. Tim, you and I both love these crayons, do we not? That's uh, because they pay in PayPal green, I might say. <laughs> That's I right. Yeah, Go check- no, and, and you got to – yeah, let's have the start to the show. Like, I'm the opening. Yeah, we're off to a great start. Yeah, I'm the opening theme song. You ask yourself, uh, <laughs> where would you use these crayons? And the answer would be they actually have an adult coloring book. It's either out or exactly. coming out soon, and that's where you would use them. So, Absolutely. Check out their podcast as well, Two Girls, One Mike. Uh, it's a very interesting podcast. We recommend it. But Offensive Crayons, use promo code WIDEMEN. Say 15% on your order. I've got a pack, another pack in the mail on the way. Great stocking stuffers for friends you want to mess with, or even your boss. If you don't like your boss, stock up now, 15%. OffensiveCrayons.com. Use promo code WIDEMEN. Everybody cross your fingers because it's time for the, our favorite part of each episode. Let's see if the intro plays on time, shall we? You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com slash Jump. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen T. New at newlawoffice.com stripcamfun.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, as well as at Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order and receive a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. This show talks about NBA and covers all topics from all 30 teams in the league and includes guests from experts from all over the world. Make sure you're downloading us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and more. Be sure to join in on the fun over at WideMenCan'tJump.com as well as on our Facebook group, Wide Men Can't Jump, and follow us on Twitter at WideJump. Now, let's go to the flagship program of this Wide Men Radio Network. Here's Wide Men Can't Jump. I'll be a son of a bitch. Won't <laughs> <laughs> you speak about your sainted mother like that? Well, I mean, that just that flowed beautifully. 
Yeah, that was wonderful. Um, <laughs> except for one thing, and I, I, this is just only going to make things better, I think. Uh, okay. Didn't we have a didn't we have a little something extra with that offensive crown ad? And uh, don't we don't we have a promo code for that? Yeah, promo code wide men. Say fifteen percent on your oh, order. Not you, my no, no, I, I didn't hear that. I mentioned oh, it three well. times. Oh well, you got mentioned it four times now. I guess I did. <laughs> Again, promo code wide men, offensive crayons dot com. Say fifteen well, percent on your order. Once for Canada, once for the continental United States, once for Europe, and once for our good friends in Africa. Absolutely. Uh, we do want to thank you guys. Our download numbers and listen numbers and uh, countries we're being heard in and everything else, man, skyrocketing right now. Absolutely crazy that this little podcast. To, uh, I'm starting to wonder really if our RRS yeah, feed hasn't got like mixed up with like Joe Rogan's or somebody like Maybe. that. Maybe. Because uh, it's like no word of a lie. Like we're at double our highest uh, listened and downloaded episode for, uh, yeah. the, the, which is crazy. Uh, but Hey, Absolutely. bring it on people. We love it more than Mary. Oh yeah. We love it. And we want to thank everybody who has made that happen. And we want to thank all you guys for listening, downloading, sharing, subscribing. And, uh, we want to invite you if you're an iTunes listener. Um, if you're already subscribed to iTunes, head over to, iTunes and search Wide Men Can't Jump Again and go leave a review and a five-star rating. Helps us. Helps us out. We appreciate it. Uh, we had some iTunes trouble a while back with some, I don't know what happened, but we got, we've gotten it fixed and everything's hunky-dory now with iTunes. So go check it out. Leave us a five-star review. It helps us out and uh, we'd appreciate it. We really do. We, we try to work hard to bring you as good a shows as we can here on Why Men Can't Jump. So we I really mean, appreciate think, it. Head over, I, check it out. I think some of it could be attributed to uh, Josh Brown's uh, mud wrestling tour of Roman bathhouses. but uh, <laughs> Yes, the Josh Brown mud wrestling tours of Roman bathhouses. That's got us big over in Europe. You know? Yeah, he wears his Why Men Can't Jump shirt to every brothel he enters in Europe. <laughs> so uh, he really... Roman bathhouse my friend i said nothing about brothels that's just your dirty mind maybe one day i will do a special on those hey there you go promises (laughs) from background josh brown who stepped up to the mic (laughs) oh lord (laughs) gotta head over and josh mentioned patreon head over to patreon.com slash wide men can't jump check that out just uploaded a new interview with Wolfie D the other day. We should have some more stuff coming soon. Got an interview with Headbanger Thrasher that you're not going to want to miss. Tim and I were able to get an award with him. We still have our interview with Necro Butcher to come as well up on our Patreon page. So go check that out. And um, just a lot of stuff that we're getting into as of late. Uh, it's been fun. We're also going to try and talk some uh, some football here soon. Not here. Not on this episode, but because uh, this don't, is our yeah, NBA don't, show. But don't don't phone and try to talk football. You will be shut down. Absolutely, but we're thinking maybe uh, we had a Sunday night roundtable this past week. We talked a lot of college football. Had some callers. Really enjoyable. May do it again this week, depending on uh, times and how everything works out. So keep an eye out. Could be a Sunday night roundtable about some football coming soon. All right. 
All that being said, we've talked about some of our great sponsors, but let's go ahead and talk about another great sponsor. It's the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. They're fantastic. They help bring us the show. They're one of our oldest and dearest sponsors. Let's hear more from the Law Office of Stephen P. New. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Again, we want to thank Stephen P. New at New Law Office for all that he does for us and for you out there. Contact him, newlawoffice.com. The law office of Stephen P. New. New will fight for you. Well, Tim, the NBA... Now that we get into it, the NBA has been one of those kind of a mystery this season, uh, especially this or this off season, I should say. Uh, the past few weeks have been a little quiet. We do have some stuff that we want to bring you as we will continue tonight our trip around the league as we check out all sort of of different teams in the off season, what we should expect. But mostly the news has been a lot of different, you know, players signing with different organizations and players signing with different uh, agents, really, per se. I think that's the the biggest thing is a lot of players are signing for agents. Uh, And so as we keep looking here, um, one of the biggest pieces of news from the past week was Karis LeVert for the Brooklyn Nets, signed a three-year, $52.5 million extension with the Nets, and he actually got that on his birthday, which, uh, happy birthday to him. Yeah, 25 years old, and uh, gets a $52.5 million contract extension. That's pretty cool. Must have been pretty rough for that guy, huh? Oh, yeah, Exactly. Uh, I, I, can, yeah, that's, uh, I can hear the common man right now just crying out like, like for that poor bastard, you know. How's he yeah, a real patriot. Only, yeah, only 50-some million. I mean, other NBAers are going to laugh at him. Yeah, but we've also learned, Tim, that not only do these NBA players, um, they they do have a lot of money they get, but they also lose a lot of it when it comes to course. Your agent has to get paid. You can't do it. Honestly, you can't do it without an agent. You have to. Um, yeah, you need a lawyer. You probably should have an accountant. Um, I don't know how many of them do, but you would think they would. Um, a lot of guys have got medical people now um, running the gamut. Nutritionists. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, running the gamut for psychiatrists. Yeah, really, 
this day and well, age. Well, you know, in all seriousness, like a ther- maybe not a psychiatrist, but what they would call a therapist. Um, and, you know, and then, of course, uh, Uncle Sam. Oh, takes yeah. His share, takes his cut. I mean, 40, and, uh, 49% of that, 49% of that money goes directly to the government. So, Never he, forget he's that. Probably lucky if he's got a good if he's got a good money manager, which I don't like. Say mm-hmm. again, I don't know how many of them do. He might end up with half of what he signed for, for if he's lucky. Yeah, yeah, which, if he's lucky. Which is nothing. Which is nothing to scoff at, but but still, no, not at all. Not, not as good as it sounds. I mean, he's like I said. I mean, they probably you know ten percent to the agent. Uh, you know, a minimum of probably twenty five if he's got a good money guy. To the government, you know, and then assorted other expenses, and then you know they do live. There's an expected. Uh, I mean, you never see those guys poorly dressed, and they get a lot of good stuff oh. on the other end, though, too. I mean, they get a lot of swag, they get a lot of uh, endorsement freebies, and that sort of thing. But still, yeah, the money's good, but it's it's not as good as it appears. That that first number is a, is a very misleading. Nobody gets that you know what they signed for. Oh yeah, no way, no way at all. And uh, so, but still, if you get, if you get, you know, let's say forty percent of that, you're still doing okay. I mean, you're you're yeah, living a good for a while. So, so he ends up with you know twenty plus million for three years. Yeah, I think I think I could make it on that. Well, I do. as I've I've said before, you know, if you made a hundred thousand dollars a year. Which is a ridiculous salary for a regular person. Oh that's yeah, ten great years. salary. That's, for a regular okay, that's ten ten years to make a million dollars. So it takes you how long to make twenty million? You, you don't you don't even do it. You don't even come close. Yeah. You know, you might. I mean, so you know, I mean, as far as that goes, I mean, there's no reason there. Any of these guys who sign those big deals. There's no reason why they shouldn't be set for life, but they, of course, oh, some, yeah. of them, some of them manage to do other things with it, which is a show unto itself. Oh, definitely. Uh, that was like, it reminds me, if you go back to the old, uh, I believe it was Latrell Sprewell. Uh, I can't remember uh, the exact amount uh, that he was getting, uh, but he made, I think he, I can't. I'm going to try and find this quote here. Oh, I can't feed my family on $8 million a year. Yeah, you ain't trying very hard, Latrell. Or maybe it wasn't I mean, $8 million. Maybe it was a little less. I mean, and then you take a guy like I saw today. Okay, no, no. He uh, said $21, $21 million over three years is not enough to feed my family. So he can't live on $7 million a year, eh? Absolutely um, not, but... But you know what? We're going to take a minute here, and we're being joined right now by one of our favorite guests as we jump in and keep talking about the wonderful NBA and what's going on in all these different cities. And now we're going to talk some Philadelphia 76ers. Joining us from the Bucks County Courier Times is our man Tom Moore. Tom, thanks for jumping on and talking a little bit here with us about the 76ers. Oh, sure, guys. How you doing? That's the relaxed kind of voice we like to hear. I was just cutting down a 
a dead tree branch with an old fashioned saw. So it, the oh Lord. I got it done. I got it done, but uh, it it it, I, it won the war. Let's put it that way. So I'm sort of <laughs> feeling it right now. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to be a first for our show, but uh, all right, fair enough. Hey, I know how it feels. You don't have a good saw to cut down a tree branch. That's rough. That's definitely rough. But yeah, because it doesn't look like it should be all that big a chore until you start it, and then you realize that you've probably got in over your head. Yeah, and it's like six, seven feet off the ground, so I'm on a ladder. You know, it's just the 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 angle, and it's just difficult. much more difficult exactly than you think it'll be. And then you get halfway through and, you know, it's like, please, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> would would you say that story right there sums up the Sixer season from last year? It's going good. You're getting through it. Then you get about halfway there and you're like, oh, goodness. And, and then you get to the end. And while they did do well, that maybe the playoffs and the season won the war on the Sixers, uh, as they fall short in a game seven against the eventual NBA champions. Does that little story of you battling the tree branch kind of image or remind you of the 76ers a little bit, or am I just grasping here? I, I mean, I guess it mirrors it somewhat. There are some, some similarities, although my uh, my hopes were not like to, you know, it's a huge, it must be a, like a 100-foot oak tree. So, I mean, I, I, was, I have no chance if I'm trying to literally like cut the tree down. It's just a branch. We're getting some work done, like a patio um, put in, and the gentleman has to dig out the stone underneath the macadam. That's another whole story. I, I, lived, I, <laughs> I, uh, I got rid of three layers of macadam uh, like a year ago to, to get that, that down there. So that, that was a lot of fun too. But, yeah, I think that there, are, there may be some similarities but um, between the two, but I think um, – Perhaps there's a little more optimism, you know, with the Sixers, and rightly so, given what the off season they've had, and some of the moves they made, and last but not least, Kawhi Leonard going to the Western Conference. Yeah, if you look at the Sixers, um, it was—I think it's a big blow losing Jimmy Butler the way that they did, and I'm not the—and I will admit, I'm not the biggest Jimmy Butler fan. But I felt as though then they got Josh Richardson back, who's a nice piece. But how much does it hurt losing Jimmy Butler for the Sixers squad? Well, I mean, I don't think it's a stretch to say he was their best player in the playoffs. You know, with Embiid not 100% healthy, um, you know, still trying to get into shape and then being sick, et cetera. Um, clearly, he was their go-to guy late in games. He was the guy that they put the ball in his hands and, asked him to make things happen and he you know delivered on more than a few occasions um it's an interesting situation because his agent says that the Sixers offer him a five-year max deal but other reports say that that's not the case um and the Sixers you know do not want to say either way it's kind of a no-win situation but um you know I mean, Tobias Harris certainly wasn't better than Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, but Tobias Harris is a better teammate. Um, and I think Tobias Harris um, is more respectful, um, you know, in terms of with coaches and, and other guys on the team. And I think they think, you know, Butler not being there will, will help Harris because they'll have more opportunities late in games. And it'll help Ben Simmons because when, when uh, Butler had the ball in his hands, um, 
what would Simmons do? You know, he's not a threat to shoot the ball from 10 feet, let alone 15 or 20. Um, and, you know, he, his, he really didn't have a, a, an, an important role, so now he'll have the ball in his hand, you know, more. And I think it'll make uh, Brett Brown's life perhaps a little bit easier just because Jimmy was, I don't know if you want to call him quirky, you know, whatever it was. He could be super, super nice, super engaging, and then other times that was not the case. Um, so I think they kind of chose uh, someone who's easier to deal with um, and a better teammate in Tobias Harris, essentially, over Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and Harris really got a nice extension there. He's going to have the starting small forward uh, job there. This Sixers team, when you look at him, especially with the ages, I mean, Joel Embiid is young still. Uh, ben Simmons still kind of young as well. But Horford, Harris, I mean, Richardson's he's still got some, some – He's still kind of young, but with Horford and Harris and the money they got, have the Sixers entered a must-win-now mode kind of? No more process, no more building for the future. The time to win, and they're finally looking at it, is the time to win is now? Yeah, I think so, especially with Horford being 33. And, you know, um, I mean, I think he's still a very good player, but uh, I don't think it's a stretch to say, um, you know, he's probably not quite as athletic as he was, you know, three or four years ago. Um, I think I think Elton Brand sped up um, the timetable, you know, with the trades for Jimmy Butler and then Tobias in November and Tobias Harris in February. But now these moves and especially signing, you know, especially, um, uh, you know, the move, uh, the move with Horford, you know, that, that your window, everybody else is 26 or younger, you know, all the core guys. Um the starters, at least, except for Horford. But, I mean, Horford, you know, that's a really important role as a power forward and also a guy you can play with Embiid and you can also back up Embiid. You know, especially in the playoffs when Brett Brown shortens his rotation from 10 guys, usually to about eight. You know, he those two guys could handle the, you know, the center position and Horford could get 25 minutes or so at power forward. Um so I think that I don't think there's any question. Uh, you know, I think the Bucks, to be fair, are probably the team to beat me, but I think the Sixers are the second best team, and I think, you know, it, it's certainly not inconceivable that if all goes well, that they could, you know, they could beat the Bucks again. Long, long way, you know, get the telescope out and look down the road, but they seem to have, um, you know, they have they have a lot of things that they improve. They're much longer. Their their average wingspans over seven of their starting unit, you know, which should help closing out on guys and in the passing lane. But I'm really curious who's going to defend, who's going to defend opposing small forwards. It's probably going to have to be Tobias Harris, who's an okay defender when he goes against fours. But, you know, there are some threes in this league that are quick and can really score. And that could be a little bit of a challenge because Horford has been playing the five, and now he's going to have to guard the fours. You don't want him chasing the threes. And Embiid, you know, will be going against other centers. You, you don't want him out of the perimeter chasing uh, the stretch fours. So I think that's an interesting thing. And, you know, transition defense, Horford and Embiid, you know, are used to play in the five position. You know, don't always get right back on defense, and they're going to have to do that, at least one of them. So there aren't a lot of three-on-two, two-on-one breaks, those kinds of things. Um, 
But, you know, versatility, ability to defend on the perimeter. Richardson is a big upgrade defensively over Reddick, not offensively from the three-point line, but defensively certainly is an upgrade. So, you know, I, I think this, you know, I think the Sixers, there's a lot of reason to be op- optimistic, but there's a few things, particularly the two defensive ones that I mentioned that I'm curious to see how Brett Brown addresses them. Tim, go ahead and uh, hit Tom with a question. I was going to ask you, Tom, how do you, I mean, I like what the Philadelphia's got in their starters. That's, that's a pretty decent lineup. Um, on the bench though, uh, who's going to soak up the minutes this year for the starters? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Mike Scott will be the backup four. James Ennis will probably be the backup three or, you know, wing, whatever you want to call it. Then, uh, you know, the backup point guard will be between Trey Burke, who they signed July 30th. That was their last – that was a 15th contract, and that's not fully guaranteed, but um, either Trey Burke or Raul Neto, um, who ironically, they were both on the Jazz at the same time, and Neto beat out um, Trey Burke about four years ago. Um, but that they'll be competing for the backup uh, point guard position, the backup shooting guard, would either be Matisse Thibel, you know, the rookie, or probably Zaire Smith. And Kyle O'Quinn, it looks like, will probably be the backup center, um, kind of a banger, a 6'9", physical, you know, blue-collar guy, at least uh, for most of the regular season. Um, uh, and then in the playoffs, as I said, I could see I could see um, Horford, you know, getting some minutes at the five. But, yeah, who's going to score with that second unit? Really, um, Trey Burke is about the only one who can, you know, create his own shot. Uh, I guess Mike Scott can do that a little bit. Um, but Trey Burke can do that. Um, you know, you do have some questions. The the two shoot, backup shooting guards are both – that's a rookie and a second-year guy. You know, uh, Zaire Smith barely played last year with the health issues, um, the foot the foot surgery and the um, – uh, allergic reaction, which he lost 40 pounds and cost him most of the year. So, yeah, the, the bench is not um, the bench is not you know deep and is not um, you know loaded or you know the, I think the concern is you have you have to play the starters too many minutes because as happened in the playoffs when when the reserves get in there the leads uh, evaporate. So they really need to figure out a way to kind of hold the fort with that second unit. And what Brown does a lot of times is he'll play at least two starters with the backups, especially in the playoffs. So you make sure you either have Embiid um, or Simmons or Harris on the court, two of those guys at all times. So you have some offensive guys, some guys that can, you know, do some things so you don't have, you know, big lulls at the offensive end. Um, one thing I just saw, this literally just broke as we were doing this interview. Apparently the 76ers are working out Spencer Halls on Thursday for to possibly bring, bring in as a, a backup center. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Because that news just broke by Adrian Wojnarowski. I saw about Joe Johnson apparently is get, working out for a bunch of teams yeah. and supposedly is in Philly, but he's going to too. I mean, they, they have 15 Trey Burke's deal isn't fully guaranteed, but they have 15, at least partially guaranteed contracts. Um, you know, Joe Johnson and Spencer Halls are two guys that were pretty productive NBA players, but are kind of at the end of their careers. Um, maybe they, you know, maybe they'd invite them to camp, but I don't know that they would be locks, you know, to make a team or anything like that. As I said, especially with 15 guys, unless, 
Um, you know, they think, you know, unless Trey Burke, or, you know, uh, you know, they don't like what they see from him or, or whatever. But to me, I think it's just, it sounds like just kind of taking a look, seeing what's out there and seeing if it's worth inviting them to camp. And if they get to camp, you know, depending on what, you know, they'd still probably be considered long shots. Um, but I, I kind of thought, honestly, instead of another point guard, I would have liked to have seen another center, just a big body, because they really don't have anybody bigger than 6'10", other than Embiid. All their, all their backups um, uh, are big men. Uh, O'Quinn is 6'9", um, Horford is 6'10", um, uh, the young Australian guy, son of a gun, blanking on his name. He's a powerful. Jonah Bolden. Uh, yes, Jonah. He yeah, he's six ten. The same thing. You know, they don't have a, just a big body. In case one of the few big centers in the league, just to have a. I can't give you an example. I mean, Greg Monroe was kind of that what they brought in last year as that uh, seven footer, but you know, just didn't move real well and really struggled in the playoffs. So, I mean, maybe they couldn't find anybody to fit that role, which is why um, they signed Trey Burke so late. I do want to bring up um, Ben Simmons' jump shot. It's been kind of a, uh, well, let's just be honest, it's been kind of non-existent for his career. But the Twitter videos, the buzz, him shooting, knocking down three-point jumpers have been surfacing online. Um, I don't know if you've got to see him put in the work. He looks like he's been working hard on it. Um, Do you think this could be the season we see Ben Simmons finally develop that jump shot and become a really complete all-around player. I mean, the Sixers really need that from him. They need him to do that because, mainly because of, you know, J.J. Redick leaving. I mean, he was such a, a focal point of the offense and also a defender always had to stay with him at all times at the three-point line, which really helped with spacing. You know, the things you don't know about those videos are, you know, was he playing for two hours and those were the six shots that he made? I'm not being facetious, but, you know, you don't know what's on there. In no, terms I, of, I understand. And who he's, who he's playing against and, and things like that. So I don't care even – I don't care about three-pointers. I don't care about 15-footers. He has open 10-footers whenever he wants them. And that that should be a high-percentage shot. I mean, his uh, his average length of shot in the series with the Raptors was three feet. I mean, he was essentially just taking layups. Um, and, you know, other teams know that and just back off him, and they really can neutralize him. I mean, he still gets rebounds. He still distributes the ball very well. But, you know, he needs to be a factor at the offensive end, you know, one way or the other. Um, as I said, he just needs to be a competent shooter. I mean, hopefully the, the, this video sh- shows that he's getting more confidence because we would see sometimes at the end of practice where he would shoot, and, you know, his, his jumper still looks a little funky. The elbow is still a little bit on, a, on an odd angle, um, you know, from, from how they, they teach you to do it. Uh, but it's just about him having confidence in it. You know, they need him. They need him to take their shots because they're going to be available. And if he can knock down even a 10-foot or 12-foot, um, it's just going to really help in terms of the spacing and it's not going to allow, you know, other teams to double-team, you know, uh, uh, and beat as much as they have um, because they don't really don't have to guard Simmons until he gets into the paint. Tim, go ahead and uh, get Tom another let's, question. Let's let's fire back to something you kind of touched on a little bit earlier. Um, with uh, Butler gone, Reddick gone, 
uh, who's going to run the dressing room and where's the veteran leadership going to come from this year? Or is one of the young guys going to have to step up? Yeah. I mean, I, I think each year they've counted on Simmons and, um, you know, Simmons and Bead to do more of that since they're the best, you know, since they're the best players. Um, but I think, I think the fact that um, Tobias Harris has a full, you know, will have a full training camp and preseason will help. He only played, he came in in February. He only played about 25 regular season games. And then, um, you know, the tw- I guess it was the 12 playoff games. So, you know, I think he's a lot more comfortable and familiar now. Um, I think he'll be doing more of that, uh, more of that. And I think Horford, Horford is your, is really, um, uh, he's somebody that I think can really help, um, especially with Embiid. Um, when we talked to Mike Scott last Tuesday at the Sixers practice facility in Camden, they had him in, um, and he played uh, four years with Horford in Atlanta, and he said he really thinks that Horford's going to help Embiid just in terms of, um, uh, you know, mentoring things he's been through. He's done so many different things, um, and he's such a good teammate. You know, he's He's had success. He's been to the conference finals, um, you know, and he's very respected. So I think he's a guy that I think what he says, I think will go a long way because you're right. And, you know, if the coach keeps saying it, nobody else does, they get tired of that voice. You need somebody in that locker room who's going to say it, that they're going to, you know, listen to and, you know, respect enough to follow what he says. And I think Horford is going to really be prominent um, in that area. I'm looking here at Josh Richardson. We haven't really talked about him. And you mentioned earlier he's an improvement for Reddick defensively, but not offensively. Um, what does Reddick, the loss of him, do to the Sixers? Because I'm looking here, and maybe your best three point shooter now is Tobias Harris. Um, and we've seen, and this is a league now where you have to knock down those three-point jumpers. How does Richardson step into that role, and does he need to take more three-pointers than he usually does? Well, I think it's going to be more a three-point by committee. If you look, I think it's over the last three years, Horford's uh, shot almost 39% from three. You know, that's a pretty good number. Um, the league average, I think, is about 35. Um, so that's a little above average, and you know, he can really help stretch the floor, play outside when it beats inside, and, you know, they'll have to respect him. They won't be able to back off him like they back off, you know, Ben Simmons. Richardson's not a bad three-point shooter, but he just isn't as reliable and consistent um, as Redick. Um, you know, he's quicker. He can get to the basket. He can create his own shot better than Redick can. But in terms of being at the three-point line um, and – Having having a defender you know need to be draped all over him at all times, that's probably not the case. Harris did not shoot the three very well with the Sixers. Shot it very well with the Clippers last year. Um, you know, I I think I think he should be you know he should shoot it better than he did um, the last 25 games last year. This year, you know, as I said, being more comfortable and familiar, and you know, having a bigger role. He kind of um, you know he was a little bit. Um, he deferred a lot to Butler and Embiid and other guys last year, and I think he's going to be a little bit more assertive. I think that's one of the things Elton Brand is counting on at Brett Brown, 
and I think you're going to see that. But they're not going to have the one guy like Reddick, you know, who is just a hammer. It's going to have to be, you know, a little bit of Mike Scott off the bench. It's going to be a little bit of everybody, um, you know, but not one guy. I don't think unless somebody, you know, Harris, um, you know, really emerges and really, you know, you know, shoots really well. And she did shoot very well. She had about 40%. You know, with the Clippers, but his numbers were in the low 30s with the Sixers, so it was it was quite a change. So um, they're going to miss Reddick, no question, at the offensive end. But in terms of keeping guys in front of him, I mean, the Nets and Raptors series, they would put him in a pick and roll, and whoever he got switched on to on the, in the Nets series, it was any number of the three guys, Dinwiddie and Levert and uh, D'Angelo Russell, they would just take him to the rim. He just couldn't stop him. And, and the Raptors did some of that with Kyle Lowry and Danny Green, um, you know, and some of the um, some of their other wing players. So, the, you know, Richardson is a much better defender on the ball and off the ball. And that's the other thing, you know, who's going to defend the point guards? It might be Richardson some night, and it might be Ben Simmons some night, depending who the guy is, what his skill set is, um, and so on. Um, yeah, there's a lot of things I'm really curious you know, to see in terms of how it shakes out and how, you know, by Christmas, let's say, that after about two months that Brett Brown develops a rotation um, and, you know, figures out who plays well with whom and, you know, what combinations are best, who's on the floor at the end of the game, um, who's the first sub, do you, do you take uh, Embiid out and, you know, bring a small guy in, which allows you to move. Like you could bring Innocent, let's say, six minutes into the game in place of Embiid. You move Tobias Harris over to the four, you move uh, Horford from the four to the five, and now you have those guys in their natural position. So there's a lot of options. There's a lot, they can go really big, they can go small, they can go quicker. They can, they can, he does have a lot of, uh, of possibilities depending on what he wants to do and perhaps what the other team does. Um, you mentioned Brett Brown, and I'll tell you what, this will be our last question for you. Because uh, I know you've given us plenty, plenty of your time, and uh, you battled a tree today, so we'll uh, we'll let mm-hmm. you off easy on that one. But you mentioned Brett Brown. Um, is this is this the hot seat year for him? Is it kind of the the win or go home time for Brett Brown, or do the Sixers keep giving him another chance if this year they fall short? I'm gonna say they I'm gonna say they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, in my opinion. Uh, their their starting lineup is just too good, and the East is is weaker this year than last. But I think the Sixers are going to surprise. Uh, they're going to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Is that good enough for Brown to keep his job? Um, I mean, I would guess so. I, I guess I would say it could perhaps it could come down to what happens in the Eastern Conference Finals. If you get swept by Milwaukee. Um, may be different than if it's a seven-game series and the Greek freak, you know, hits a drive with two seconds to go to beat in game seven, just like last year. You know, the I guess a, a lot of people thought he had to go to the conference finals last year um, and then to lose, you know, on that, you know, quadruple bouncer, um, you know, where it would have gone to overtime and who knows what happens you know, there in overtime. You know, I think they realized that it was really a tough. You really couldn't do, you know, do that. That would be a difficult move because it was such a fluke. I've never seen a baseline shot hit the rim, bounce, and go in. You know, that's short. I mean, if it's straight on, it hits the front rim, hits the backboard, hits the back rim, goes in. That happened. 
but I literally have never seen that happen. I mean, that was such a, a an incredible shot. Um, but I, I think, you know, barring significant injuries to Embiid or Simmons or, you know, some key players, you have to think that the conference finals, you know, are almost required, you would think, this year um, because of, you know, all the money and now they're, you know, with extending Ben Simmons, I mean, they're going to be in probably in luxury tax territory next in 2020-2021. So Josh Harris is willing to do that, but he said, you know, we need to be competing for a championship. So I think all signs point to the, you know, that they need to take another step this year at least. Um, And uh, that would be the conference finals. And I think that would be the goal. I think, you know, yeah, I think the Nets, maybe not this year, but next year could be very interesting with Durant, with Kelsey, and, um, you know, and so on. But, yeah, I think the conference finals have to be almost a minimum, as I said, barring a significant injury. Yeah, I think so as well. Tim, you don't have any more questions for Tom? Yeah. Oh, i got a million of them, but we, we, we Tom needs to go and uh, rehab that uh, tree arm. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> Absolutely. One quick one quick thing yesterday, I went to the Phillies game, but I got there a little early, went to the Eagles locker room, got some stuff for a column I wrote today, went to the Phillies, did the pregame, and then at 5 o'clock, the Sixers had a conference call that I was on from the, from this, from the press box at Citizens Bank Park, and then I wrote a column that was due at 7 o'clock off the conference call um, from the Sixers. So it was a very interesting, busy, you know, three-sided day. I never heard the word flyers mentioned in there anywhere. No, well, Wayne Fish does the flyers, and there's really nothing going on with them, you know, that I'm aware of. So that's kind of – and he's all over that stuff. He's been doing that for 40 years, so he's kind of on his own there. I'm more of those three and, like, Villanova and, you know, some odds and ends too. So, no, I I, uh, (laughs) – that was – Not like you don't have enough to do. (laughs) Yeah, right. I couldn't complete the – the uh, I don't even know what that is. It's not a trifecta. I, I did the trifecta. I, I don't. I guess there isn't really a four. Whatever the four would be in a horse race, a quadfecta or whatever that is. I I wasn't able to do that. If they start no putting. <laughs> I'm still playing trifectas. I still never pull them off. But <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> but you mentioned the Eagles. Um, you know, we're a, mainly a basketball show on Wednesdays. But since you mentioned them, Carson Wentz healthy this year he better i mean he, he has to be really um not having nick Foles. um mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was such a um uh, such a luxury to have that you know a, a guy who's been a starter um you know who who was a super bowl mvp and then you know took him on a run last year where they had to win the last three which they did you know beat the cub beat the cubs beat the bears in the first round and, you know, had a darn good shot to beat the Saints um, last year. So, you know, Josh McCown's got some experience, but I I don't think anybody would say that he's, you know, Nick Foles, shall we say. I mean, it looks like he's going to back up. Yeah, right. I mean, he's he's been around. He's been on a lot of teams. He's been a lot of experience. He he can pick things up quickly. But if you need a guy who's going to win, you know, multiple December games and then also and then in the playoffs in January, you know, I think he's more of a hold the fort guy, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, he's got more of a game manager. 
for sure. And he and you know Wentz has never played in the playoffs. I mean he's he hasn't been healthy for two years, and they he really wants to be obviously, and 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 the, and the Eagles need him to be because um, that would probably be the biggest drop off they have in any position would be there from him to you know McCown um, would be sig- yeah. significant. Um, so. Um, you know, we shall see. And uh, you know, he didn't. He's not going to play. He's not going to play uh, Thursday night. So, what do you, you know, how, how does he look September eighth against Washington with no live hitting? The first time he gets hit in that game will be the first time. Will be the you know he hadn't been hit since December of last year. We're talking nine mm-hmm. months later. So how do you respond? Is he rough? I mean, he very well could be. He has practice. With no with no tackling to the ground is not the same as a game, and I think any any anyone anyone and everyone would agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I will have to agree <laughs> with it, especially with football coming up. And if you're listening to this for basketball, sorry, football season's coming up. We're a little excited. Forgive us, but I'm interested mm-hmm. to see what's going on with the Eagles with their. Uh, I think they've got about eight uh, different running backs that they're going to run this year, give or take a few. Um, it's going to be fun though, because I, I believe they're, to me, they're if Wentz is healthy, they're the favorites to win the East, um, especially with Elliott setting out in Dallas right now with no timetable to return. So, NFC East is going to be fun to watch, and the Eagles should win it if Wentz is healthy. I would think they'd have a good shot, as you said, especially with Elliott, the workhorse running back. If he's not there now, there's a lot more pressure on you know Dak Prescott to make plays. Um, you know, when you don't have that guy that can rush 25 times for 110 yards, that's such a luxury, you know, and just keep pounding. So I would say that they're the mm-hmm. favorite going in. You know, last year, I don't know who, but not a lot of people perhaps thought the Cowboys, you know, would be the Cowboys year. And the year before, not a lot of people thought it would be the Eagles year. So it's just so hard to, it's so hard to tell, you know, uh, um, how things yeah. go, who, stay, who stays healthy, et cetera, et cetera. Because that, that mm-hmm. division is always such a cluster. You have no idea what Washington just is always Washington. The Giants, God only knows what's going on over there. Um, it's it's ripe for the taking, I would say. I would think so. Yeah, it certainly appears to be. You don't have a, you know, the Saints or or the uh, or the Rams or you know these you know high level teams. Even maybe the Packers, you know, or not. Uh, not in that division, so you know you have some you you could have a, a runner-up team that is eight and eight or something like that. I mean, it's possible nine seven could win the division. You know, yep. who knows? Yeah, definitely. But Tom, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us here, sure. and uh, we really appreciate your time. And let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and follow you and read your writing. And if you don't. If you're in Philadelphia and you don't know who Tom Moore is, shame on you. <laughs> Thanks. Um, I guess the best way is on Twitter at Tom Moore Philly. That's T O M M O O R E P H I L L Y. All right. Well, Tom, thanks again for jumping on. We always love having you on. Our listeners always rave about how great you are on here, and we hope to have you back real soon. And we'll talk more Philadelphia. Sure. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Have a a good night, sir. And that was Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times talking Philadelphia 76ers and a little bit of Philadelphia Eagles. And we 
Man, I love Tom Moore. Like he's one of my it's favorite guys. Insightful, in he's fantastic. Uh, educated, insightful, and let's see if Classy. we can get. Let's see if we can get hashtag Oak Tree trending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom's awesome. We love having him on here. And uh, speaking of awesome, have you been to stripcamfun.com? My goodness, the word awesome barely begins to describe it. Uh, you know, they say a man's body's only got enough blood to think with one head at a time. And if you go to strip cam fun, you know, which one that'll be. Uh, so go check them out. Our great sponsor, stripcamfun.com. Let's hear more about them. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On Strip Cam Fun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at stripcamfun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on stripcamfun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. Strip Cam Fun, be sure to visit right now. It's StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. It's our great sponsor, StripCamFun.com. Well, Tim, we've talked about Philadelphia talked about the 76ers let's go back in time a little bit because there's there's something happened today that was said by Kobe Bryant and that's been kind of a it's been all over the news as of late all the sports channels are talking about it um from what we're seeing and apparently Kobe did an interview he mentioned Shaq uh Shaquille O'Neal and of course they were the dominant pairing they won three titles in the early 2000s. Um, But it was mentioned today that Kobe wishes, if I can just find the quote, Kobe said, I wish he'd had been in the gym because I'd have fucking 12 rings now. (laughs) So apparently he says if Shaq had been in the gym, that those Lakers teams would have won about 12 championships. Um, let me go ahead and get your thoughts on that. We talked about this earlier, but neither one of us really could, we could, we couldn't really wrap our heads around it and we couldn't really say how we exactly felt. So go ahead. What do you think? Well, I like Shaq's reply. You like what? I liked Shaq's reply to Kobe. What was Shaq's reply? I think I missed that. You'd have had 12 if you passed the ball more, especially in the finals. <laughs> oh, man. You know, you got to love yeah. Shaq. you got to love Shaq. Uh, to be honest, these two guys, they're both, they were both great players. Um, who was better or who would have won without the other one? I don't know. Um, well, apparently, here, here's the full quote. You would have had 12 if you passed the ball more, especially in the finals against the Pistons. Hashtag facts. You don't get statues by not working hard. Oh, man. There you go. It's 
So, I mean, they're both taking shots at one another because they both got egos the size of the state of Pennsylvania. Or te- let's go with Texas instead. Let's go with this- or Alaska, that's even better. Um, I don't know. I mean, who who even cares after all these years? Like, it's- yeah, it's kind of it's kind of silly. It's like, uh, what year is it, guys? Come on, this is uh, I mean, let it go. Like, it's not like they didn't win. Um, Kobe won a couple without him, correct? Yeah, he did. I think he got so, uh, two without him. And you have five, I want to say. So, I mean, what are, what are you thinking yeah, about? Yeah, I'm I mean, pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. I mean, is this just uh, sour old man talk? Because they, they got nothing. I'm not relevant really anymore. And Kobe, I mean, Shaq's on TV. I don't know if Kobe does much in the uh, – well, he's not on television or anything, probably by choice, because he probably could be if he if he wanted to be. But, I mean, man, if you, if you want to – become relevant or get your name in the paper talk about the game and uh, be you know give some constructive opinions about what's going on and we'd be happy to listen coming from those two guys because like i said both great players and know what they're talking about but i mean why i mean how long has was it been you know seven eight years something like that Gosh. i mean why are you Kobe, Why are you... the last title Kobe won was in 2010. So, you know. And, and he's been out of the league for, what, for at least five? Oh, yeah. I don't remember exactly when he retired, but. Okay, so um, what, are you, what, what are you doing? You want to snipe at Shaq, you snipe at him after you lose the final. You don't, you don't take shots at him ten years later. I mean, who cares? Like. I don't know. That's very childish in my opinion. But like I said, it might have just been... You can never rule out with these guys that they're professional wrestlers, and they're working the gimmick. I mean, maybe. I mean, both guys are back in the news right now, so that's something you don't see. Well, and then they, and they both see. claim they have, they have no beef with one another, and yet they're taking <laughs> exactly. pot shots. And yet they're taking pot shots at one another. Well, so then if you don't have a beef, then what's with the pot shots? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, you know, I don't know. I mean, it makes for interesting reading, I guess. And, uh, I mean, we both know if it's uh, Kobe one-on-one with uh, Shaq on the court, Kobe wins. But if it's anywhere else, Kobe Bryant gets squashed. So, <laughs> I True. don't know. I don't know. I think, boy, I think boy, if you look boy. at it, Kobe, Shaq, Shaq maybe Shaq maybe wasn't uh, – I'm not going to say Shaq was exactly a gym rat, but you got to remember Shaquille O'Neal was seven foot tall and just a beast of a human being. You know, maybe what? he maybe he should have worked out a little more, but, Probably. I mean, Shaq played a long time. What, what, and your body being that big, your body takes a beating, and it's hard to put time into no, the gym. Don't you don't know what it's like to be seven foot tall. I mean, does do you know another guy – off the top of your head, that was as successful as Kobe Bryant is and complains as much as he does. But he seems very bitter despite all the success he had. Who? Ron James, maybe? Maybe. I mean, mean, LeBron bitches a lot. (laughs) Kobe bitches a lot, too. But LeBron's bitching is usually because he's not getting something. 
you know, like it's, you know, it's more of a personal nature. Not really. LeBron doesn't really throw individuals under the bus all that often. He no, does he doesn't purposely. Throw, he doesn't call them by name under the bus, but he sure no. as hell throws them under the he bus throw, when he, he ups and leaves the, the whole, team, leaves the yeah, band in after the season. Yeah, he throws the whole team under the bus, but he doesn't really. He doesn't go sniping after. Uh, <laughs> you know, I never ever heard him say anything about Dwayne Wade. Well, he knows better. Well, <laughs> Dwayne okay, Wade will okay, kick his ass. Okay, so and so should Kobe Bryant, because like I said, if they were to meet face to face, Kobe Bryant is going to get crushed. Shaquille O'Neal would kill him without. Well, he just fall on him, and that'd be the end of it. Yeah. You put him in the old in the old bear hug, and Kobe's done for. Although you know that Kobe, you know, slippery dude, especially around uh, therapists, from what I understand. Well, that's another story for another day. <laughs> you get my. But dream. I did find that interesting. I found that to be kind of interesting. It is an interesting story, but I, I wonder if it has been. Somewhat, uh, if the media maybe hasn't blown it out of proportion just because it's not enough to talk about. Oh, they always do. They always seem to blow it out of proportion. You, you always see these, these these crazy times, especially when it's um, – especially during baseball season because baseball is about as interesting as trying to skip rope on one toe. Um, and, and you or, just don't uh, – Ed Bogus on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> We're about as interesting as going coat shopping. But anyway. <laughs> My coat of many colors. Coat shopping with Tom Robinson, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. One one day that, that secret will be revealed. It won't be today tonight, but one day, the, 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 you people, because I know nobody gets what we're talking about except you and me and maybe Tom. Yeah. If he's listening. So, uh, yeah, one day we will reveal the the uh, joke there, but that won't be for a while yet. Well, I'm going to reveal a secret right now. Here's the secret for you. If you head over to stayclassymeats.com and use promo code WIDEMAN, <laughs> you can save 10%. On your order, and you can get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. That's right. StayClassyMeats.com. Only the best meat is allowed at Stay Classy Meats. Again, promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your order and a free complimentary pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef just for you, just for ordering. And you don't have to go over and buy you know, they've got boxes already pre-made out that you can buy. Like, some people are like, well, I don't want that, or I don't want that. I'd rather have this. Make your own box. You can do that. You can go through, make your own box. They total it up for you. They pack it up. They don't freeze it. It comes refrigerated in a box, and you take it out. And if you want to eat it right there, by God, go for it. Stayclassymeats.com is your one-stop shop meat market that you don't want to miss out on. Promo code WIDEMAN. Save yourself 10% on your order. Get a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef and check them out. StayClassyMeats.com Stay Classy Meats is your online meat market where you can get the best quality meat for competitive prices. Head on over to StayClassyMeats.com and use the promo code WIDEMAN to save 10% on your order. That's right. If you head to stayclassymeats.com, you can save 10% on your order with promo code WIDEMEN, but that's not all. Not only will Stay Classy Meats give you 10% off, they're also throwing in 
a free pound of Montana grass-fed ground beef. Make sure you get over to stayclassymeats.com right now to check out their selection. Whether it be pork, ribs, chicken, steak, bison, ribeye, or any other type of meat that you desire, you can get it at stayclassymeats.com. They are high-quality meat that you will not want to miss out on. If you like to eat well and eat clean and eat some of the best quality products out there, Stay Classy Meats is for you. Again, head to stayclassymeats.com right now. All right, stayclassymeats.com. Not going to want what? What is it? What? Okay. Um, Apparently, my producer, Rusty Shackelford, is informing me that we have, um, Tim, are you aware of some kind of paid advertisement or something? I, have you heard? I'm taking no? the fifth. No, I'm going to take, okay. take the fifth on this one. Well, okay. I mean, so, it's another uh, sponsor you can tell me. I mean, it's not a big deal, but well, it, apparently they, they we have... paid. They did pay, um, but yeah, I'll take okay. the fifth on this one. Okay, well, okay, paid advertisement. Um, I'm not sure what this is. Nobody's informed me of what's going on, so uh, we have some paid time here. We want to turn it over, and uh, let's check it out, shall we? What the hell is this? Friday night, we lost by 20. Needed excuses, there weren't any. Sunday came and the Lakers beat us again. Weren't having any fun. Lost to Golden State 153.91. And then we traded Isaiah Thomas to the Suns. We were trash in the defensive zone. Vladdy D, that felt he was alone. We got Ewing Jr. in 2008. Zach Collins was a pick. Then they started was a trick. Drafted Thomas Robinson. Oh, ain't that great? You may be right. Team might be lazy. Oh, but it's only eighth place that we're looking for. Lost again tonight. Marvin Bagley can't save me. If he ain't dead, let's sign Spud Webb. That would be nice. Remember how you lost your hair? They've run a play, no one was there. No more dancing girls, well that don't make me smile. It was lonely as a fan. Play Lord, take me if you can. But be nice to beat the Lakers once in a while. Now we've been on a crappy run, haven't won since 1951, had Ron a test before he changed his name. Heard the news, hope it's not true, cause Luke Walton just won't do, we probably won't win another game, you may be right. 
this team's just lazy. Oh, but it's just a winning season that we're looking for. Shoot out the lights. You might score 60. And all I know, it's how it goes most every night. Robertson we're looking for It's too late tonight We're down by 20 But all I know is we really blow No playoffs in sight Ed Bogus is alright He eats everything in sight Never met a burger that he didn't like his pants must be pretty tight. Yeah. God damn it. Frank. How did no, you sneak that past me? Don't blame Frank. Frank's Canadian money. I mean, it cost him and he paid and well, what am I supposed to do? Say no? <sighs> Shackleford, we're having a meeting after the show. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was Frank's take on, I'm assuming, the Sacramento Kings. I'm going to guess the uh, Spud Webb, Oscar Robertson references, and Marvin Bagley, of course, giving the play. I'm trying to figure out how he knew what we were going to talk about this week. How does he know Ed Bogus? Well, I'd like Uh, to know. That's another good question. Well, mind you, uh, him and, him and Ed might have been. They've met at a buffet somewhere. Ed, Ed might have just might have beaten uh, Frank in a in a in an eating contest somewhere. That's a possibility. I mean, that's a possibility for ninety nine point eight percent of the human population. <laughs> but anyway, after that spirited rendition of Sacramento may be right, uh, we're going to talk about the Kings. I had a chance to be joined by one of our. Sources from out in California, Rafi Wong, he covers the Kings for the Royal Pain site. And it's a fan-sided blog site that talks all about the Sacramento Kings, and they feature anything and everything you want to know about the Kings. He joined me here on the show to talk about the Sacramento Kings and what's going on in the capital city of California. Tim, what do you think? After that spirited rendition from Frank, what do you say? I need some Alka Seltzer and roll the tape. Back on the show once again from the fan sided Sacramento Kings blog, Rafi Wong. Rafi, thanks for coming back, and we're going to talk a little Sacramento Kings here on Why Men Can't Jump. Sounds good. Glad to be back. Well, we're glad to have you, and let's go ahead and dive in. A team that nobody's really talking about had a great season last year, uh, all things considered. 
Not many people thought they would be as close to making the playoffs as they were. They ended up with the ninth seed, uh, did very well. And most of their players coming back this year. One player I do want to bring up, though, leaving, Willie Cauley-Stein departs from the Kings after spending his career there so far. Um, how big of a blow is it to lose Willie Cauley-Stein here in Sacramento? Funny uh, that you say that because it seemed like um, one of the things that needed to be fixed definitely for the Kings going into the summer was the center position. Don't get me wrong, Willie's a great talent, and he had all the tools to be like a good center for the Kings. But there's just a lot of inconsistency that was happening. There'll be one game where he would be, you know, the ideal big man for the Kings, where he would, you know, be getting rebounds, running the floor, protecting the rim. But then there'll be other games where, you know, he would be non-existent. So I think the Kings just need a more consistent player that knew his role at that position and actually think that signing Dwayne Dedman and having him as the Kings starting center will benefit them going forward instead of Willie. Yeah, and Dwayne Dedman signs on. Do you think maybe the Kings uh, overpaid Dwayne Dedman a little bit? I know he got a nice contract. Um, if you look at their payroll, Dedman signed. Uh, looks like they're stretching it out over three years. Thirteen point three million dollars, forty million of that guaranteed. Do you feel like they maybe they signed him too much there, or do you think that that was a good steal for them? I think in terms of the value overall. You could say they did overpay for him, but I think for the Kings, overpaying for players has to be something they're going to have to, you know, going to have to, what's the word? You know, they're just going to have to deal with it just because they are a low-market team. So for them to attract free agents, they might have to, you know, give them more lucrative deals than, you know, other teams. But in terms of the skill set, I think it will be worth it just because he's the guy that, you know, He's not going to be like a star player, but he does know his role. Like he can rebound the ball, protect the rim, space the floor on offense, shoot the perimeter shot if needed. So I think it will be a contract that, you know, is worth it for the Kings. But I do agree compared to the market and, you know, players that were getting signed deals. He is a little bit on the pricier side. Yeah, and uh, Trevor Ariza also comes over this offseason as well. And he's 34 years old. He's going to be making two and uh, looks like going to be about 2.2 million this season. Next season, he's getting 2.8 million. Um, from the looks of things, probably not going to be the starter with Harrison Barnes there, but he'll be a nice bench piece. Probably their their sixth man. Uh, looking at Ariza, how does he fit coming off the bench for this Kings team, and how do you think they'll plan to use him going forward this season? I think, like you said, like he's not going to be the starting small forward, but I think he adds some good depth at three positions just because of the experience he has, and you know, just he has been, you know, a solid player throughout his career where he has the ability to be that three and D guy that the Kings take off the bench. So I think overall it's it's a pretty good it was a pretty good pickup for the Kings just because it is a two year contract. So even if you know it doesn't really work out, it doesn't really affect how their cap works in the future when they do have to pay more of their young guys. Um, so overall, I don't think it's that bad. It's a nice it's a nice pickup for the Kings. I will say though that 
Even though I think Ariza is a nice pickup, I think the sixth man on the team is bogged on by Donovich. I think they'll have him come off the bench, be that, you know, combo guard that can, you know, set up plays for others and also be a good scorer as well. So, yeah. Yeah, and Bogdanovich had a, a pretty nice season last year uh, for the Kings as well. But speaking of offseason additions, let's look at the coaching change that was made. I, for one, was very critical of the Kings bringing in Luke Walton. Um, I thought that uh, the previous administration had done a great job in getting this team uh, close to where they needed to be and, and to build but they chose to go with Luke Walton. What's uh, what's your thoughts on the Luke Walton signing? Yeah, like you and many other Kings fans, I wasn't the biggest fan when the Kings decided to go in another direction for coaching. I thought Dave Yeager, with the way um, he coached the Kings and how they had a gradual you know, pattern of improvement throughout his tenure there, I thought he deserved at least another season to prove that he can lead them to the playoffs. And also he did. Him and the coaching staff did a really good job in developing the young talent during their time as well. But, hey, who knows? With Luke Wong, um, it might end up working in their favor going forward. seems like the players are, you know, loving him being the coach right now. So, so, um yeah, I'll definitely give Luke a chance, but overall I was like on your side as well as others where I thought they should give Dave Yeager another year. Yeah, I was I was kind of disappointed in the Dave Yeager uh, releasing. Um, I don't know why, just it seemed like you finally get a coach who can, who can really lead this team and get guys behind them and then you get rid of him. Didn't make a lot of sense to me, but, you know, I guess right. that's why they're the – I guess that's why they're in charge and I'm not. Um, But let's go ahead and look a little bit more at this roster. Um, Harrison Barnes gets a new deal this offseason. Four years, $85 million contract he signed in July. Um, Again, we talked about Kings maybe having to overpay a little bit. Barnes is only 27. Some people are high on him. Some people think he's, uh, he's not worth that much money. What do you think, as a as the guy who watches the Kings probably more than anybody I know, do you see Barnes as being worth the amount of money that he's going to be getting now moving forward? I think so, just because, um, like I mentioned, with the same thing with Ariza, um, it's not. I don't think it necessarily hurts um, the Kings for the long haul when they do need to re-sign guys like Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley to more lucrative deals. And with the Kings, for the longest time, or I guess since when Rudy Gay left the team, they did need um, a legit starting small forward. And I think Barnes showed that during his time with the Kings last year, he was a guy that was able to rebound the ball well, you know, do all do some of the dirty work, you know, shoot the three-pointer pretty well, um, play good defense with a good veteran presence. So we're not paying him like Dallas did to be a star player. We're asking him to be, you know, just a, you know, a good starting three. And I think he fits that bill. Yeah. And if you look at the Kings, they've got a nice young core to build on. They got Barnes and Deadman probably will be the other two starters, but Bagley healed Fox, all young guys still um, Fox, 
is only 21. Heald is 26. And Bagley is 20. So nice young players. Still got some time in the league to grow and develop a little bit more. Um, that three-piece young core, what are you looking out of them this – what are you looking for out of them this season? Uh, bigger strides, more of the same. What should we expect from Bagley, Heald, and Fox as we approach this season for the Kings? Definitely the goal is for them to make better strides in their development. The Kings definitely have the mission to finally break their playoff drought. And for them to achieve that goal, the youth definitely needs to develop, especially those three guys that you mentioned. Um, yeah, I mean, they all have that star capability in them, even Buddy Heels. And I think for the Kings to, you know, keep making strides in their rebuild, they definitely, those three need, need to keep improving. Yeah, and a lot of people kind of counted Buddy Heald out after a couple years in the league, but he's really taking some big steps. He's starting to look now more like the Buddy Heald from Oklahoma that I had to deal with as a West Virginia fan watching him yeah. play. Oh, my God, what a headache he was for Oklahoma. But Heald has done a nice job with this Kings team, and he's really improved his shot. Uh, was it just you know him working hard, or has he changed something about his game that you've noticed that's allowed him to become a better NBA player? I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's him being just a hard worker and you know really working on his game more than his you know whether it's his shooting or moving around the ball, his defense. Um, from what I hear from the Kings is just that he's just a relentless worker, which is some, which is a great quality to have, especially for a young player. But also I think it's just, you know, the Kings embracing him, helping him find a role in the team. I remember even before the Kings traded for him, um, the Beck Ronnie D Day and the Kings front office were really high on Buddy Heald. So I think with him, you know, just going to a team that, you know, fully embraces him as well as has him having a relentless work ethic. I think it was just like a match made in heaven. And so far during his Kings tenure, he's just been blossoming. Uh, Marvin Bagley, uh, another guy here that I like to look at, averaged about 15 points per game last season to go with uh, seven and a half rebounds per game. He, he is better than what I expected he would be in the NBA. Now, I know he went to Duke, and a lot of people were expecting him to be great. I'll be honest, I wasn't. I was expecting him to have some pains. Um, but he really showed me something this past year. Not only can he score, can he rebound, he's actually not a horrible three-point shooter. Um, I mean, granted, he only averaged about one and a half per game. But the fact you've got a guy that size, as young as he is, who can make a three-point shot. I mean, he averaged 31% last year. That's not terrible for a guy his size at his age. Uh, Bagley, he could very easily turn into the face of this franchise if given the time. Uh, what do you expect to see from Bagley this season? Yeah, I definitely. he was definitely a surprise for me, too. I thought, yeah, he definitely had to start out. He had to you know, all the potential in the world. It was just whether he was going to, you know, make strides. And I thought he would get some growing pains during his rookie season. But it was kind of the 
of times he found ways to keep improving his game. It felt like he was learning something new every game, which made him a better player. And I kind of expect the same from him this year. You know, just with him having him a season under his belt, plus a, plus a summer to just completely focus on what to improve next. I expect him to keep on improving and to keep on being that player that the Kings, you know, envisioned him being when they took him with the second pick. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another guy who came, came out of Kentucky, he's been doing great. Uh, as of late for the Kings, and he's really proven what a great player he is, is De'Aaron Fox. Huge steps for Fox last season. He's got two years left on his rookie deal. De'Aaron Fox, he's going to be a guy the Kings, if if Bagley is the face, then Fox is going to be, if you have two faces, he's the other face. What's, uh, what do you think seeing Fox last season? Because he took some big steps. Uh, for the Kings. What's your thoughts on him from last season and uh, going forward here? I know really all we can talk about here with the Kings is expectations, but as we move forward, do you see Fox being more of a score first guard or do you think he's going to get more into facilitation? I think definitely facilitation just because of seeing how Fox is on the court and knowing his motivation. I think his motivations as well. Um, and when how you mentioned how Bagley was, how you thought he was the face of the franchise, I thought Fox, I think Fox will be that guy going forward. I think he just has everything that you want in a leader, how you want in your starting point guard, where not only does he have the ability to be a dynamic scorer, but a dynamic playmaker as well sort of like a, how Chris Paul was when he entered the NBA. So I definitely have huge expectations for Fox and where he's the guy that the Kings, you know, build around and, you know, we'll see going forth. What about Harry Giles? There's been a lot of, um, I won't say high expectations, but there's been some talk about about him and, him coming back, he, he had some injury troubles uh, a few years ago. But now he's back, should be fully healthy. Is this a guy that the Kings are looking to kind of get into their rotation, maybe get him some minutes off the bench? Uh, and if so, how do they use him coming off that bench position? He's like the player that I think every Kings fan wants to have a good year this upcoming season. Um, this like you said, he's been dealing with a lot of injuries, but prior to that, he was like the number one high school prospect in his class. So with him now being like fully healthy, it's kind of just like when are the teams going to unleash him and stop being cautious with him due to his health. Um, because, yeah, just because we want to see how well he can do when he, you know, when he has the green light. And I think to start the season, I think Giles will – start off the bench, I think he'll start out as their backup center. But then hopefully throughout as the season goes on, he replaces Dwayne Denman in the starting lineup and he can be the guy that Kings fan hope he can be just because he has, you know, he can score the ball inside. He has the ability to expand his game to the perimeter with the shooting. He's a playmaker with his passing as well. Very, very high motor, 
you know, very aggressive on defense. So he definitely has the tools to be a great player for the Kings and part of that core, part of that young core that they want to build around. It's just about when that's going to happen or if it happens. Who do you think is going to be the backup guard uh, for Fox? I assume Corey Joseph, but Yogi Ferrell is also a nice piece as well, and he's a little bit younger. Uh, but I think Corey Joseph will get the nod just because if you're paying a guy $12 million, I think you want him to to play a little more than the guy you're paying $3 million. Do you think Joseph will be the primary backup guard to De'Aaron Fox? Yeah, def- yeah definitely. I think even though Yogi Ferrell had a pretty solid season with the Kings last year, there were some inconsistency issues that, you know, really made a backup point guard um, – something to fill for the Kings during this summer. And I think the guy, good one with Joseph, he's, you know, he's been a backup point guard his whole career. So he knows how to play the role. He's been part of winning programs that weren't winning programs throughout how his career as well. So hopefully this addition benefits the Kings. And I think it will. Okay. Uh, just a few more questions for you here, Rafi. Um, Kings came very close to ending their playoff drought last year. The West, though, in my opinion, has improved greatly since last mm-hmm. season, especially with the addition of Kawhi Leonard to the West now. Anthony Davis goes to the Lakers. Zion Williamson gets drafted to the West. Do you see the Kings ending that playoff drought this season? And if so, how high can they climb in the standards? In the standards, excuse me, in the standings. If I had to bend my ass on it, I would say they would be just short again. I think they'll land around like the ninth or tenth seed in the West, just because of like you mentioned how well the West improved. Not only the West, but the Pacific Division due to how the LA teams, you know, improved their rosters. And, you know, with the Pacific that's four times you're playing each team in that division and I think this, with the way the West is and how the division stacks up, it's just going to be a really hard feat for the Kings to, you know, finally break their playoff draft. What do you think uh, final win total? If you had to be, if you were a betting man, let's go ahead and take a look at the at the over under for NBA wins. I'm going to take a look at the Kings uh, over under totals here. If you give me just a second to pull that up. From what I'm seeing. The Kings are at 33-and-a-half, over, under, and what do you think the number will be for them? I think they'll be better than – way better than that. I think they improved their record. Is this whether they make the playoffs at all? So, I think I was over 42. I think 42 wins. They'll just barely break 500. All right. Well, Ralphie, I really do appreciate you for coming on here. And we got a nice little breakdown of the Kings. And looking forward to seeing this young team. I really want to watch them grow. They've been a fun team to keep an eye on the past year. And it's been really cool to watch Fox and Heald and especially Bagley grow. And I'm looking forward to it this season. I want to see what they can do. Right. Yeah, I think me too. Hopefully hopefully I'm wrong with my prediction. They, you know, prove me wrong again like, <laughs> I I mean, it's very possible. Last season, nobody really saw them coming. This season, they're going to be a little bit more ready for them. So, it's intriguing what they'll do. I'm interested to see what Luke Walton can do as a coach now that he doesn't have to deal with uh, 
the ego of LeBron James. So it should be fun to see what happens in Sacramento this year. I know they didn't get a lot of love from national television, not a lot of national TV games for the Kings, but um, I think it's going to be uh, an interesting season for them. Yeah, I agree. Definitely entertaining. So, uh, Ralphie, won't you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you out on social media? And uh, I'll go ahead and plug the Royal Pain site as well. Check out a Royal Pain on Twitter. You can give them the handle. Uh, let our listeners know where they can keep up with you. All right. Yeah, so um, I manage both, obviously, my personal Twitter account and the Royal Pain's Twitter account, which is at Royal Pain. And then my personal account is at Rock Nation, R-A-F-N-A-T-I-O-N. All right. Well, Rafi, thank you so much for jumping back on, and I hope to have you back on real soon. And we'll talk some more Kings basketball when we get you. So thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Pleasure to talk to you guys again. Always good to hear from you. Thanks, man. No problem. Bye-bye. And that was Rafi Wong from a Royal Pain, the fan-sided site, talking Sacramento Kings, giving us a breakdown on what to expect out of the young Sacramento Kings this upcoming season. Well, Tim, I want to know something from you. Have you had a chance to venture over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC yet? Have you checked it out? I didn't. You haven't. Well, they've still got the great movie posters available. They've still got... All the cool collectibles, the Funko Pops, all the valuables that you want. They still got the Hasbro Range Troopers from Solo, the Star Wars movie. They've still got the Shazam figures and all the great pops from The Office. They've got some wrestling action figures. Here's Captain Marvel, Star Force, 2018 Hasbro Mar- Marvel, fi- Marvel figure. We've got all kinds of stuff available right now. Go check them out. Even got some of the old wrestling uh, WCW Bash and Brawlers available. Sting, Hulk Hogan, Kevin Nash, all available. Go over Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check them out. You don't want to miss it. You can get some great deals over there. They're doing great stuff over there. It's Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check them out. And uh, we'll go ahead, while you're checking them out, take a listen to what they have to offer. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Again, we want to thank all of our sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. 
the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Stay classy meets, stayclassymeats.com. We also want to thank Strip Cam Fun and tonight, Offensive Crayons, offensivecrayons.com. So many great sponsors assisting us out here on the show, so we want to thank them very much. All right, Tim. We have, it's been talked about all week. Uh, recently, the United States men's basketball tournament um, for the World Cup of Basketball, <laughs> Team USA suffered their first loss in some time. I forget how many games it had been, about 70-some games that uh, Team U- and Team USA lost uh, to Australia. The final score, 98-94. to 94. And what a performance by Patty Mills for, t- for the Australian team. They've also got Joe Ingles on that team as well, and Andrew Bogut plays as well. So, you know, good stuff there from Australian team. But I think people are – you think they're kind of blowing this loss out of proportion a little bit? What, you, what say you? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of been just like it, it's, it's been a, an inc- it's a tune-up game. Yeah, to be it was. for what for what to, admittedly is a meaningless world basketball championship. In all honesty, yeah, in a way. I mean, in a way. Yeah, yeah as I, far I as the as far as the United States is concerned, maybe for some yeah. other countries it's not, but for the United States, it's definitely means absolutely nothing. Um, professional players uh, could care less. Uh, as you can tell by the amount of them that won't go or who they don't even bother to ask. Most of the great, great players because they know what the answer is going to be. Um, yeah, so they lost once. Talk, I mean, it might be worth talking about if they don't win the whole thing. Then we might have a story. But them losing one game Get it out of the way, I would say, would be more would be my point. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, the team. If you look at the roster for this team USA, you got Harrison Barnes, Jalen Brown, Joe Harris, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Donovan Mitchell, Mason Plumley, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Miles Turner, Kimball Walker, Derek White. That's Team USA. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's not much of a Team USA. This isn't the Olympic team. I mean, that's when most of your big-time players come out and play anyway. But, you know, this isn't a bad team by any stretch. I mean, they, they could still win. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, there are enough NBA – I mean, there are enough players who play in the NBA who are from other countries who – where some of the countries, like Canada, for instance, could put a pretty good squad on the floor if they if everybody would play. Yeah. But most well, of the Spain guys used to put out good stuff too. Yeah, most most of the guys won't play, so they don't. But you know, if you've got two or three NBA players who are solid players, uh, it's a lot. Uh, you know, a lot of it gets done by committee in the in that neck of the woods. If that makes sense, you know, it's yeah. not a superstar who's winning the games. It's you know, team defense and all that sort of. I mean, and it is. I mean, if you've ever watched it. It is a lot different than, or at least the last time I've seen it, it was a lot different than watching an NBA game. You know, it's not yeah, the same. Yeah, there's, there's a big difference in the international game. There's a lot of different rules and things of that way, too. Uh, but let's let's do this here. We're going to take a look 
at ten. We're going to look at a, a list here. This was this was on Bleacher Report a while back. This is from Dream Team to Nightmare, ranking the United States USA basketball teams since 2012. So we're going to look at some of these. This this is when this article came out. Um, but I think this kind of gives you maybe a measuring stick to, uh, and this is since the basketball players were allowed to play, pro- professionals were allowed to play. This doesn't go back before that. So these are mostly professionals, okay? So let's take a look at it. Uh, number one, you could probably guess, the dream team from 1992, the Barcelona Olympics. Uh, check out this squad. Magic Johnson, John Stockton, Michael Jordan, Clyde Drexler, Larry Bird, Scotty Pippen, Chris Mullen, Charles Barkley, Carl Malone, Christian Leitner, Patrick Ewing, and David Robinson. Their average margin of victory, 44 points per game. Dear God. <laughs> I would say, Dear God. without checking the stats, I would have to say that, that there's probably every player on that team sort of Christian Whitener is either in the Hall of Fame or will be. Yeah, I had no question. Um, rank number two was the 96 Atlanta Olympic team, Dream Team 3. John Stockton, Gary Payton, Anthony Hardaway, Reggie Miller, Mitch Richmond, Scotty oh. Pippen, Grant Hill, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley. And Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, David Robinson. How about that for a center squad? Um, they were also undefeated, won the gold, and they won an average margin of victory of 32 points per game. Uh, so not a bad squad there at all. Then there was the Redeem team coming in at number three, the 2008 Beijing Olympics. Jason Kidd, Chris Paul, Darren Williams, Kobe Bryant, Dwayne Wade, and Michael Redd. Uh, not sure if Michael Red's knee made the trip, but Michael Red was there. Uh, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Tayshaun Prince, Chris Bosh, Carlos Boozer, Dwight Howard. They won by an average of 28 points per game, and they were also undefeated in their trip to the gold medal. Uh, let's look here. This is Dream Team 2, the 1994 FIBA World Championship. Kevin Johnson and Mark Price, Reggie Miller, Joe Dumars, Dan Majerly. Dominique Wilkins, Steve Smith, Sean Kemp, Derek Coleman, Larry Johnson, Shaq, and Alonzo Mourning. They were 8-0. They won by an average of 38 points per game. So that that's a team right there that a lot of people overlook because the star power, not necessarily uh, there per se. But, man, they, they won by the second highest average margin of victory with 38 points per game. That's uh, pretty impressive. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I was just I, I was trying to look up like cause the difference between the Olympic teams and the team that played in the World Championships because I don't I don't think Michael Jordan or any of those guys ever because uh, I believe if I'm right the Olympic year doubles as the World Championship they don't play them. Both in the same yeah, it's year. like no, the Olympics are not worth ninety two, and then the FIBA World Championship was ninety four. Because I, I mean, I have in my head, and you're, you're because you're, I'm not an American, 
but I have in my head it being a really big deal. I, I'm going to guess it was Olympics, but maybe not when the Soviet Union beat the States, but it was under, um, there was some chicanery involved. Yeah. I can see yeah, that. But I, but I can't remember what year it was, but I, but I remember it being a big, uh, a big, big deal when I was a younger, younger man. I'm trying to find it. Cause I, mm. it's, cause okay. I'm, I wanted, to, well, see, I wanted to see who, I wanted to see who played on the team. Okay. Well, let's look here. The number five, 2000 Sydney Olympics, they won gold as well. Uh, Jason Kidd, Gary Payton, Tim Hardaway, Ray Allen, Allen Houston, Vince Carter, Steve Smith, Kevin Garnett, Sharif Abdur-Rahim. Yeah, I'm having a hard time believing that too. Uh, Antonio McDice, Alonzo Mourning, and here's you a blast from the past, ladies and gentlemen. Vin Baker was on. He's a gold medalist. Vin Baker. Vinny Baker. Then we start getting down. Number six, the 2010 FIBA World Championship squad. Uh, also, by the way, the 2000 Sydney Olympic team, they won by an average of 22 points per game. All right. The 2010 FIBA World Championship team, Chauncey Billups, Derrick Rose, Russell Westbrook, Andre Iguodala, Eric Gordon, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Danny Granger, Rudy Gay, Kevin Love, Lamar Odom, and Tyson Chandler. So look at 2010. No Kobe, no LeBron, no D-Wade, no Howard, no Stoudemire, no Bosch, no Melo, no Rondo. But yet they still won the world championship. And they did it by an average of 25 points per game. So there you go. 2006 FIBA World Championship squad. Now this is where things start to get a little bleh. Here's the team. Chris Paul, Kirk Heinrich, Dwayne Wade, Joe Johnson, LeBron James, Carmelo Anthony, Shane Battier, Chris Bosch, Elton Brand, Antoine Jamison, Dwight Howard, and Brad Miller. This team did not win gold. This team won bronze. They oh, went eight and shame. one. They, they lost to Greece. Despite being a team, they won their average of their games by 20 points per game, but they lost to Greece. So yeah, well, think about that. I'm just uh, I'm just reading this. Uh, no, go ahead. I'll uh, I'll keep rolling here. Yeah, uh, the 1998. Now this one here, this and if you think this team USA team is bad, okay, stop and think for a second. If you think this team USA this year is bad, they're not the worst team USA ever, in my opinion. This is the worst Team USA ever, in my personal opinion. They don't have the worst Team USA record, but this is the worst Team USA ever because this was a team that could not use any NBA players, and this was in 1998 because of the labor union and the lockout that was going on. They had to do a group of amateurs, CBA, and overseas professionals that were thrown together in just three weeks leading into this. So here's their teams. Here's your team. Michael Hawkins, Kawani Garris, Jimmy King, not the wrestler. Sorry, Oliver Platt. Trajan Landon, Jimmy Oliver, Jason Sasser, Bill Edwards, Wendell Alexis, Jared King, David Wood, Brad Miller, and Ashraf Amara. They went 7-2, and two, won the bronze. They lost to Lithuania by two and Russia by two. So 
So to me, that's the worst team that the USA's put together since 1992. Yeah, and it really wasn't these good. guys. It was not their fault. It wasn't. No, hardly, but. So, so um... I, not their fault, but two more left here. 2002 FIBA World Championship team, USA went 6-3. and three. Uh, They lost to Argentina by 7, Yugoslavia by 4, and Spain by 5. Here was the team. Baron Davis, Andre Miller, Jay Williams, Michael Finley, Reggie Miller, Paul Pierce, Sean Marion, Elton Brand, Raif LaFrance, Antonio Davis, Ben Wallace, Jermaine O'Neal. That's not exactly a great team either. 6-3 and three record. They didn't even win a medal. They finished in sixth, the worst USA finish in history. And what they are calling the worst team in USA history, I disagree. Um, I'm going to go with the 98 team. But the 2004 Athens Olympic team, Allen Iverson, Stephon Marbury, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, Sean Marion, Richard Jefferson, Carlos Boozer, Amari Stoudemire, Lamar Odom, Tim Duncan, and Emeka Okafor, they went 5-3 and three in the Olympics, lost to Puerto Rico by 19 Lithuania by four and Argentina by eight, and they took home the bronze medal. So, who, where do you who think coached, they, who coached that team? That How did that team, was that a Shashevsky job? I don't believe so. Um, one second here 2004 Team USA basketball coach. That was Larry Brown. Because how how does that team go five and three? Well, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade were young. Melo was young. I don't um, care. I mean, no I agree. I don't know how. Argentina yeah, was yeah. led by Argentina was led by some guy you may have heard of him, Manu Ginobili. They won the gold that year. Um, pretty solid team. I just wondered if they weren't, if it wasn't one of those jobbies where, uh, as it happens a lot up here in Canada in the hockey, where they pick, you know, the players, and it's, it's not really the coach who gets to pick the players, mm-hmm. and he might be a, and he might be a coach that's running a system that doesn't really fit those guys, or they pick, you know, or they, or they pick all scorers and they forgot that, you know. Yeah, we could use a couple guys who could play some D. Might come in handy. Um, yeah, I mean that—that's that, one way. Yeah, to, that's definitely one way to look at it. I mean, just—I mean, I'm not sure if that fits that team necessarily, but it—it it makes you wonder how a team with that much talent could be beaten three times by. Okay, so maybe Argentina had an NBA player on it, but what about the other two? I mean, the, yeah, that just doesn't sound very good. But. Yeah, yeah, it, it's weird, but I remember that was a very, very disappointing year that year. But still, the 98 team for me is the one that takes the cake just because it was a time when we could use professionals, and yet we decide we're going to use amateurs due to a labor union lockout situation. And still, the amateurs didn't do bad. I mean, at all. Well, so you can, uh, but you can go back to now that I kind of finished reading this. Uh, 1972 Olympic basketball final. All right. Soviet Union against the United States. The Americans are 63-0 and and have never lost the gold medal up until this point in the Olympics since it's been – Yeah. Since in its inception. 
So they're leading by one point with 2.1 seconds left, if I have read this correctly. Um, The United States is going to shoot a free throw. The Soviet coach demands that he goes crazy during this shooting of the second free throw, screaming that he had called a timeout. Now, back then, because, of course, nothing, I mean, and it being in an Olympics and everything is all messed up and you got different languages and all this kind of stuff, um, for whatever reason, they decided to get let him change. Uh, whatever they did, they erased the free throws and they got another play. They switched it and gave him another play. So they tried to inbound the ball after the the free throw, after the second one. He wanted to do it. I I don't quite understand because I'm not quite sure about the international rules. But anyway, Mm -hmm. the play should have been over and the United States should have won. But for whatever reason, they decided to give him a second shot at it. So they reset the clock and let him do it again. Hmm. That That one didn't work out. They missed the shot, game over. Uh, now the Russians go crazy, and for some reason, they bring them back on the floor again. Three times lucky. Uh, whoever it was for the United States, Tom McMillan, whoever he is, is guarding mm-hmm. is is trying to prevent the free throw from or the, the the inbound pass from coming in, and he's a great big guy, six eleven. The referee makes him back up so that the Russian guy has got a free shot to throw the ball down the court. Wow. And they and they win. And yeah, you have to read the whole thing because it's unbelievable to read it. Yeah. Uh, so check that out for sure. So the Soviet Union ends up winning 51 to 50, ending the United States streak of uh of uh, gold medals in the Olympics, but it's quite this, it's quite the story. And uh, this, this reeks of, you know, know, this is the kind of stuff that you don't hear. I mean, the last time I heard about anything happening, like with judges and all that kind of stuff was uh, in figure skating, but it sounds to me like some boys were some money's changed hands and you've got back in that time. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then that time you got the Soviet union kind of controlling the Eastern Bloc. If there's anybody there mm-hmm. from other, you know, if there's anybody there from, you know, I don't know, Poland, Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, any of those kinds of places, you know, one word in the right ear gets, you know, gets the call to go your way, right? Um, yeah, it's a, it's worth reading if you're a basketball fan, and I know a lot of the people that listen to this show are nowhere near old enough. You know, I'm not even old enough to have seen that, you know, live. Well, I guess I could have, but I've been four years old. But uh, I'm not, I, I want to go see if there's any video because it strikes me as being quite uh, unbelievable. <laughs> well, I'd like to see it. Yeah, I understand. You know, like because it's it's hard, and you know when it's written there, what? Because I guess at that time the international basketball rules were quite a bit different than. Well, I mean, they still uh, have some differences. What the yeah well and the NBA rules I'm sure are not what they were back in 1972 no. or James Harden no, wouldn't have a job. Yeah, really. <laughs> but anyway, right. just throwing that out there, a little history moment uh, for anyone who who cares. Uh, 
that's worth checking yep. out. And uh, yeah, but always remember, folks, when you're listening out there, is this team the worst team in U.S. in Team USA history? No, don't get your panties in a wad. They're going to be fine. Well, I think they still win the championship. Yeah, and I mean, and you know what? If they don't, perhaps perhaps that is a wake up call to. Uh, some of the other guys who who are American citizens that, hey, you know, it's not your birthright to win the basketball championships. You know, if we've got better players, you know, if you want to win, you might have to send better players because the rest of the world is slowly catching up. You know, we we saw it up here for hockey. You know, for decades, nobody could even touch Canada in a hockey game. It wasn't even close. We could send our four stringers and they would win. But slowly but surely, the rest of the world learns. And as more people get into the sport and play it, um, there's superstars coming from other countries now, as we have even seen in the league. You know, take take the freak. You know, uh, Joel Embiid's from Australia. Or no, it's Ben Simmons. No, from Ben Australia. Simmons is from Australia. Where's Embiid's in America? No, Joel Embiid, I believe, he comes from an comes, African country that, yeah, I, from, that I'm yeah, he's listening from, to watch and can't jump. Yeah, he's from somewhere else too. So I mean, it's Cameroon. I mean, he's are, from the Cameroon. All right, so there there are really good players coming from other places, and if the United States wants to keep winning, they maybe they have to send their best players instead of their kind of best players. But that being I mean, said, that that team doesn't suck either. That being said, oh none no, of those no, 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 none of those teams sucked at least on paper. Now, whether they were constructed. Uh, to win is another question that, you know, I don't know what the answer is to that. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a weird situation to look at in terms of uh, what we've so got here, for. I got another little nugget of trivia for you. Who did Christian Leitner, who, who did, whose spot did Christian Leitner take on the dream team? Isaiah Thomas. Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, was it? Isaiah Thomas wasn't even invited. Well, there was a there was a big to do about that where he was left yeah. off there was some because of the whole thing in Chicago and and yeah. all that. What was Shaquille yeah. O'Neal hurt? It didn't. I, I I don't know. But I mean, if he if he wasn't, what, who 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 did Christian Leitner know that? Well, you I mean, remember had... Leitner was a big deal at this time. Wait a minute, I don't think Shaquille O'Neal. Hold on, let's take a look here. Shaquille O'Neal was drafted in nineteen. Was it ninety two? Yeah, the first big Well, the selection of Leitner to the Olympic team over O'Neal has increasingly become a source of controversy, though, because of O'Neal's later accomplishments. The selection committee considered several college players, including Harold Miner, Jimmy Jackson, and Alonzo Mourning. In addition, yeah, okay, they were both still <laughs> college players. Did you? Did you imagine? I mean, Christian Leitner can kind of understand why they took him because in college, Christian Leitner was pretty damn good. Okay, yeah, nobody can deny big, that that dude. Yeah, it was a pretty big deal. If, yeah. if you take Harold Miner over Shaq or Christian Leitner on the Olympic team, well, oh you know my where Harold, God. You know where Harold Miner played his college ball at, right? Where's that? USC, the, the, the schools that we consider to continue to say – Always get a rub for reasons we can't quite figure out why. Hollywood, baby. Hollywood. So, 
I don't know. I don't know why you would take Harold Miner. That makes no I sense. At, I look at it this way. If if, if Shaquille O'Neal was upset at the time, I could understand why. But karma worked out real well for him there because I'm pretty yeah. sure he doesn't pretty sure he doesn't want to trade the careers to that point going forward with Christian Leitner. Apparently Harold Miner uh he won the slam dunk contest twice, ninety three and ninety five. Uh so <laughs> That's his career I mean, highlights. Uh, he, I mean, he, uh, he also got he got comparisons to Michael Jordan, but his NBA career lasted only four years. Uh, Jackson's claim to fame is that he holds the record or is uh, tied for the record uh, for playing for the most different teams in a career. <laughs> I'm, not kid, I'm, I'm not kidding. He played 14 NBA nah, seasons for, for 12 different teams in 14 years. Goodness. Almost half the league. He played for Dallas, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Golden State, Portland, Atlanta, Cleveland, Miami, Sacramento, Houston, Phoenix, and the Lakers. Good Lord. Goodness. Talk about a journeyman. That's getting around. Yeah, but you know what? Good on him for managing to stay alive, for obviously not being all that great and yet staying alive for 14 seasons. It's pretty good. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, Well, Tim, we're running – we're starting to run low on time, and we wanted to make a really big announcement. Uh, we are bringing a new segment to the, to the show here on Wide Me Can't Jump. We're not oh, wow. starting it this week. I'm pretty excited about go. this. What is it? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Tim. Explain. <laughs> no, what is it? What is it? I'm, I'm excited to hear. Oh, don't even start. We talked about this earlier. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. That, that segment. Well, yeah. Unbeknownst to him, we have enlisted the (laughs) services of Cub reporter Ed Boggess, who will, in fact, be going across the nation from NBA City to NBA City and giving us a quick five to ten minute report on the status of their concession stands. Yes. And and he'll be grading them uh, as only Ed the Shinston Sinkhole Pickle King Boggus can do. Absolutely. Looking forward to Ed's new segment here on the show. Happy to have him on board. We will be uh, he will be covering his own trans to and from this because we're not made of money. Uh, unbeknownst to him. But we're looking whole, forward. He's, he's unaware of the him. whole th- yeah, he's unaware of the whole thing, but uh, we've got a yes, crack. He's uh, finding out right now. Yeah, we've got a crack uh, audio video squad who will be uh following him around and then uh, sending the uh, tapes to us, which we will then watch. And then we will uh, uh, put them into a format that's appropriate for uh, podcasting. Yeah. Because uh, yeah. I mean, we, we all know, I mean, who can forget the uh, 2008 uh, Shinston uh, fair final when uh, uh, Bogus uh, was uh, overzealous with a candy corn and that poor woman yeah. in the front and that poor woman in the front row lost an eye. Uh, we don't want that well, to happen to anybody else. Well, we're also recovering from the 2000 and the 2012 uh, chicken tender incident that we're still not allowed to speak about for another five years. So yeah, there, we'll there's, leave it a, that. there's a uh, non-disclosure agreement between uh, and a, and a gag. wide man can't jump and a gag and, order. Uh, a gag, gag order, order also, but. The, I mean, which I, ironically, I about, which ironically goes two ways. A gag order does with yeah, uh, I, with that. 
Yeah, I don't know about you, but I still have nightmares about the 2012 incident. Uh, oh yeah, the so, chicken, the so, chicken finger fiasco. Uh, oh my, oh my but god, anyway. the, 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 uh, sauce the, everywhere. But I will yeah. say this, Tim, uh, we're excited to have that coming. We're also excited about our Wide Men Can't Jump Fantasy Football League that we've put together. Uh, we need a couple more players. We've already, what have we got, seven or eight so far? Uh, I didn't check today. We did have seven. Uh, I'll give you a quick update on that, though, uh, if you continue yeah, to ahead. talk about it for a moment. Uh, go ahead. We're, yeah. We'll be bringing an update, and there will be prize money involved. Uh, so if you're joining, if you want to join the league, there's no cost to enter, absolutely zero cost, and the winner of the league uh, will get some sort some of cash prize. Get some yeah, I believe we, we finally settled. We finally settled on the, the number, did we not? We did. We did. Uh, I believe it's, I don't have it in front of me, but I believe it's, uh, I want to say 864,000 Iranian reals, I believe, if I, if I have that. Yes, correct. I believe you're right. Um, let me double I mean, check that, that dollar amount. I mean, it would be perfect. For anyone about thinking, you know, anyone who's thinking of uh, visiting Iran in the future. Um, yes. Um, let me let me just get that right. We are going with it is eight hundred and forty-two thousand one hundred Iranian riles uh, that you will win. So be excited, get involved. You can win eight hundred and forty-two thousand one hundred Iran riyals. So. Get involved, get with us, enjoy, play some fantasy football, and win a huge prize. So yes, uh, and Tim, you're you're finding you're finding where we uh, the number of people still left in the league before we head on out. Tim, are you there? Have we lost Tim? I believe we've lost Okay, or he's lost me. Okay, we've lost Tim. Uh, tell you what, we'll go ahead and finish up the show right now. I uh, don't know where he went, so what we'll do, we'll finish up. Thanks for listening, everybody. We got three spots open. Hit us up on Twitter, on Facebook if you want in our fantasy football league. Check us out. WideManCan'tJump.com, Patreon.com slash WideManCan'tJump. Thanks to New Law Office at NewLawOffice.com, StripCamFun.com, Atomic Comics Collectibles LLC, at Facebook.com slash Atomic Comics Collectibles LLC, StayClassyMeats.com. Use promo code WideMan, get 10% off your order and a free pound of Montana grass fed ground beef. And special thank you to Offensive Crayons, OffensiveCrayons.com. Use promo code WideMan. Save 15% on your order. Uh, for Nate and Tim, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. I ain't even got to say it. That's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure 
to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at WideBeanCanShum.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com and by Cambay.com. Be sure to visit Cambay.com and use promo code WideBean to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.